Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. And now, over to today's show. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'll be joined by Dana Malstaff today, and we'll explore how to create community with Facebook groups. If you want to reach me, you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool Twitter analyzation tool that is called Spark Score. So this is uh, one, it's going to measure, <laughs> I know we don't really need this, but uh, it, it says it measures your your influence, which again, it, that sounds very clout-like, you know, in the day, I thought we were done with the days of clout, but uh it, what it does is it doesn't just go by you know vanity metrics. It goes by measuring the difference between your follower counts and the amount of followers you have, the amount of engagement that you have, different uh, you know sliders that it shows like the average number of likes. Is this by, uh, is this from Rand Fishkin? This is, yes, I wanted to make a mention that this is this is created by Rand Fishkin, uh, formerly formerly of Moz. Yes. So, and, and so he's behind it. So I, you know, in a sense, you know, take it or leave it, but like, that's, uh, you know, you can trust him, you know, if you know him. Doesn't (laughs) it also have engaged some sort of engagement metric or something like that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. It's so it's got, it's got a bunch of different things. So it's got a, a, an engagement metric, which basically has to do with, um, you know, it shows you the average amount of retweets that you get, the average amount of likes that you get, on uh, your account. And so you can look up all these different accounts and it's free to try. Uh, it does say that you run out of a certain amount of reports. Uh, you can check up, up to 25 accounts a day. I, I don't know that I would need to check. I thought it was interesting. You know, I thought it was yeah. interesting because it's different than clout. Right. In, in many different ways, because it is, it is just Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? It is correct. And it's also giving you some of those engagement metrics and it's being real clear about how it's coming up with those metrics. You know, um, yeah. it's very transparent. There is no mystery box or anything like that. I can't remember what my numbers were, but you well, can look up others' numbers as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the, the key here, the, the real reason why I, as social media manager at Social Media Examiner, would use this tool, is this gives me a snapshot of our account, and I could do this once a week on the exact same day and measure whether our stuff has gone up or down and not just number of followers, but actual like engagement numbers. Like it, did it go up? Did it go down? Right. Those kinds of numbers that really matter. So where do we find this? Okay. So where you find it is you go to uh, spark 
toro.com. That's spark, T-O-R-O.com. And you have to log in with your Twitter account to authenticate, yes. and then you can you can use the software. And then if you don't want, you know, you can unauthenticate it in Twitter, right? And just revoke the access to it just because you never know when you give apps access, what in the heck they're doing with it, right? But it is right. it is pretty cool. Um, I'm glad that you're able to mention that. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with Dana Malstaff. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Dana Malstaff. If you don't know who Dana is, she is author of the book, Boss Mom, and host of the Boss Mom podcast. Her membership site is called Boss Mom Vault. She's also built a thriving community inside of a Facebook group. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. So today, Dana and I are going to explore how to build a loyal and engaged community inside of Facebook groups. Before we go there, I would love to hear your story, Dana. How in the world did you get into Facebook groups, start wherever you want to start. <laughs> sure. So I think the the best place to start is the my last night at my last job. Mm. Um, I left, and everybody took me out and bought me tequila shots, and I got pregnant um, by my husband, which he tells me is way too much information for people. But I think we're all adults. So, <laughs> yeah. and by the way, what my- what year was this? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> it was two thousand and. Uh, it was New Year's Eve, I guess, of 2012 going into 2013. Okay. And so I found myself a, a brand new entrepreneur, as I would like to have called myself, and a uh, going to be mom. I had started a, you know, being a mom and an entrepreneur at the same time. I had no idea how to do either. I wanted to be amazing at both, and it was it's very scary. And one of the things I found, I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, was I was surrounded by people who all had jobs, and I was surrounded by people who didn't have kids yet. Mm. And even though I was thirty, but n- none of our none of our friends had children. And so I just felt alone and isolated. And one of the things I knew right off the bat was that I was not built to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm completely envious of the women that are amazing at it and, and, and love it, and it's not me. And so I started sending my son when he was born to uh, daycare, and I would stay home and work. And there's a, a mass amount of guilt that comes along with 
working at home and sending your baby to school. And, uh, and I just, I felt really bad about it, even though that's what I really wanted to do. I felt there were people that were great at hanging out with my kid during the day and teaching him all the things. And I got to nurture him and love him in the mornings and the evenings. And that worked for me. So I, uh, at one point I was in a Panera working while my son was a couple months old, you know, sleeping. And I saw a, a mom, her daughter and a grandma in the in the cafe together. And it just made me start crying. And I'm from Southern California. My parents are native to San Diego. And so I asked my husband, it was negative 11 degrees, you know, in Columbus, Ohio. And I just said, I really want to move to San Diego. And he was like, I'll quit my job tomorrow and we'll sell the house. Like this is not a hard uh-huh. sell. And, uh, and so two months later, we were here in San Diego. My son was five months old and this beautiful, amazing thing happened. All of a sudden, I was surrounded by people who had businesses and people who had kids and had businesses. And I was <laughs> because just, because oh, California is real expensive to live in, right? I know. Well, you know what though? It's just this. It's just this culture uh, where that's okay, and that's more. There's more risk taking and more excitement. I think happening here from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe the weather makes us happier and and want to take more risks, or maybe just people that that naturally, you know, feel that way, gravitate towards, you know, San Diego. But it, it, I found myself in an environment where I stopped feeling so crazy and started feeling like I was amongst other people who were doing a similar thing. And that's a really powerful space to be in. And so I started chugging along and uh, went to Hal Elrod's Best Year Ever Blueprint was invited to go there and ended up meeting some people where we started a mastermind. And uh, one of them was uh, Azul Turonis, who helped Pat write his um, Will It Fly book. Well, actually, it was way before that happened. And he um, was in my mastermind. We hung out and he helped me write my book. So I wanted to get a story out there about how I didn't wasn't guilty, didn't feel guilty anymore and how we shouldn't about how we raise our children and wanting to also uh, create other things outside of our children in this world. And uh, that's how Boss Mom was born. And once, like, once you see something working and it just started catching on like wildfire, once you see something working, you just, you fan the flame as much as humanly possible. And so we boss momed everything we could boss mom and creating the community because we wanted it to be a movement was one of the very first things that we did um, in the Facebook community. And then we just this summer launched the actual in-person boss mom meetups and have started taking it not just online, but offline as well. So when you say the community, you really mean a Facebook group, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there, I think there's so much more of people meeting just outside of a Facebook group. But yeah, I mean, the Facebook group is the biggest place, I would say, where I get to control the culture and get to start to create a foundation for what people expect from the culture. And I think that's the biggest thing that I know we'll get into today with Facebook groups is it's not a community. It's it's not just a community. It's a, it's a culture. We're creating a culture. We're making decisions about what's okay and not okay and what people should expect, just like you would going into a building at a company. Um, and when you start thinking about it that way, you start uh, treating it differently than I think a lot of people treat their Facebook groups these days. So before we get into how you actually built your group, can you share some metrics about its current size and maybe like who is inside that group? Just a quick little, I mean, I'm assuming it's fellow boss moms, but how big is your tribe over there? Yeah. So we have, uh, just, I believe over 33,000. Um, we hit the first 10,000 in the first year Uh, pretty much all of our, um, of all of our members came in organically, either recommended by, um, by Facebook or through, through referrals of friends. Um, we get on an average about 120 new members organically every single week. Um, and 
oh, oh, about 70%, I think was the last thing we looked at um, this week, 70% of our members are active every single month. We generally have about, I think, 85 to 89,000 um, interactions every single month. Um, we have, uh, I'm not positive the number off the, off the top of my head, but I think it's like 5,000 actual posts each and every month. Um, so it's a very, it's not just a growing group, although we, we are control very, um, very tightly how it grows and how quickly it can grow. Uh, but it is, it is, a, one of the highest engaging groups people have told me they've ever seen. That's awesome. Okay. Well, let's go back to how in the world you built this group and what, <laughs> and what, what we can learn from it. Yeah, sure. So in the beginning, uh, I did what a lot of people probably did, which is I created a group in Facebook and then I started posting in it and then I tried to tell people they should come hang out with me hmm. and kind of sat there and was the only one posting for a period of time, which is sad and depressing. And people get very forlorn about, you know, can Facebook groups actually work because there's this in, there's this space where they think they have to run the group. And so one of the biggest things that I have told people that I really believe is the key to creating community and creating a tribe and growing that and growing the, the culture and the community in a way where it's really engaged is to stop thinking you're the host, is to stop thinking you're the manager. You know, if you were in a corporate setting, they would tell you the best kind of management is bottom up management, right? So, so it's not about you making rules and regulations about, it's about you setting a tone and then just like any community or tribe would do, other people start to assimilate roles. People naturally become the policers and people naturally become, you know, the motivators and people naturally become the leaders and the administrators and the project managers and, you know, the informants and all of those things. And so what, what you want to do is allow people that space. I think we hold so tightly the ownership of a group or anything in our businesses and our lives that we lose the opportunity for other people to help us get what we want done. And so, in a Facebook group, it's no, it's no different. So I think allowing people to become ambassadors early on and not just become ambassadors to say, hey, come and post in my group, but actually reaching out and saying, Hey, how, how could we make this group better? What would you like? It, before, you know, I always recommend to people, before you just start creating prompts every week, so every day you're going in and creating prompts, don't don't put those in your group yet. Once your group gets some people in it, ask the group what kind of prompts they might want to see. So what Dana, would motivate let, let me them take most. you back. Let me take you yeah. back to the early days. So, um, in the beginning, what were you doing wrong? Well, I definitely think I was posting hoping that other people would comment on my posts. I thought it was my entire job to engage everybody, that that's what it was. If I, if I didn't create posts that were engaging, then nobody would engage. Instead of, instead of recognizing that people are naturally engaging on their own, if I set the tone for the way the group is meant to be uh, seen and engaged in, then people will pick that up. And I, you know, we had talked uh, before a little bit, before we hopped on, about, you know, one of my favorite tactics isn't just to say, hey, comment below in my post. It's to create some kind of challenge or calling for people to post on their own. So if you're getting started and what you want is more people to post outside of yourself, you know, I started to do, instead of trying to do all the posts myself, I would go in and I would say, hey guys, 
you know, I was just doing this, uh, you know, trying to figure out the best music today. So what I'd love each of you to do is, you know, post a video of yourself as its own post doing a fun dance or, Hey, everybody, you know, we all have, uh, it's hard to be moms and entrepreneurs. I want you to write your own post and talk about this struggle or, you know, or, or post one article on this thing or do something like that. And so I would ask people not to comment in my post, but to create their own posts. And then as you start to do that, the Facebook algorithm starts to think you're more interesting because other people think you're more interesting. And then they start telling more people you exist. And that's when the magic starts to happen. That engine starts to run naturally. Okay. So before we get into the tactics is we're going to definitely get into the tactics what I'm more interested in understanding is how in the world did your group grow? And a little, le- little less about like what were the tactics that you did? Like how were people discovering your group? You know, what were you doing to get the word out about your group? And then we'll get into kind of like some of the tactics a little bit later. But what did you do to get it to 30,000? Yeah, I didn't hang out in my Facebook group. And that might seem counterintuitive. But I hung out in other places and then told people about my Facebook group. Mm. So I went and got interviewed on every podcast I could get interviewed on. I went and guest post on other people's guest posts. I went into other people's groups and offered up free training, you know, collaborated with the people who were running the groups and would offer up, you know, free training or, or whatever I could to be seen and visible in that space and then tell people about MySpace, I started the Boss Mom podcast so I could, at the end of every episode, it's go to go here and get into our group. So I actually spent less time in my group and more time being the person outside telling people to get in my group. So what I hear you saying is you decided that as you were creating content and participating and providing value in other people's communities, uh, your Action, one of the call to actions was to, uh, if you want to hang around with more people like me, come on over to my group. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That was your call to action? Well, it's not about hanging around with people more that are like me. One, I mean, one of the things that I teach is it's way easier to sell a movement than it is to sell a service and a product. So if you have a business that's just based around the only thing you have to talk about is what you do and what you sell and what your services or packages are, that's harder to do than it is to talk about what you care about, what what other people are going to stand by you for, and what you're all going to stand up and want to support each other or rally for. And so I think the real key, too, is that I didn't just start a a group on how to do something. I didn't start a marketing group. You know, I didn't start any of those, which those can, are there's a massive amount of successful ones. What I chose to do is I chose to to create a group based around, um, how we feel the world should be. So I teach people how to do like a movement manifesto, which is, you know, what is it that we want to stand for? I'm the mom that doesn't want to be, you know, judged for working at home when my kids go to school. You know, I want to be able to, to not shower for the day because I have two tiny children and, and know with certainty that it does not diminish my intelligence, you know? And so what we did is we just started coming up with these phrases that, that people got excited about. I said, yeah, I want to hang out with other women that feel that way. I want to hang out with other women that, you know, live their life that way and exude that kind of energy. And then we made this promise to people, which I think is really important when you're building any kind of community and want to set what the the tone is, is we made a promise to everybody. We said, we will fiercely protect you. 
We will be your your protector in this space. If somebody attacks you, they are out. Like we kick people out like crazy because you do not attack our community. You come in and you're negative. You know, you judge people for the way they potty train or the way they run their business. You're out. Like we just don't we just don't let it happen. And I don't I don't care about the numbers of the community so much as I care about the community. And because of that, my numbers grow. That's just like when people say, hey, give stuff away for free and give content and be helpful and you will get that back tenfold in the revenue in your business. It's the same thing for the way you grow the community. Care more about your community than about the numbers of your community and your community will naturally rally around you. That's a great transition to my next question. Uh, you, you use the word tone and you use the word community. For, for the person listening right now who wants to start a Facebook group but is concerned about setting that tone or that culture, what do they need to be thinking about before they get started? Yeah, so one of the first things is, what do you want people to come to your group for? Are they coming to get tips and tricks, you know, tips? Are they coming to, um, are they coming to find information about events or locations? Are they coming to the space for support? Are they coming to the space to commiserate and complain together? Are they coming to it to, in our case, we're big on think tanking. Um, and I, and I believe that's a really good tactic to take in my opinion, um, is where people can help brainstorm together in a safe space. And a lot of paid uh, groups do that. You know, if you buy, um, a, a course on webinars and you can go into that group and you guys can brainstorm about webinars. And so we just created that kind of space in the free group, but decide what it is you want people to come there for. Cause if you're looking about setting the tone, then the words you use about what they're going to get when they get in is very important. So you've got to know this is a positive place where we support each other, 80% business, 20% parenting, and you are going to think tank, which means ask us your questions because what we want to help you do is create decision confidence because you don't need another thing to be guilty about. That's a really succinct way for me to talk about my group. People know what they're getting when they come in, and I've set that tone that it's positive, it's support, they've got a good good community. And, and so you, you've got to decide first and foremost what you want people to actually get out of your group. And that's, that's just like looking at what your target audience is. Like people don't spend enough time there because they assume they know. But if you don't spend the time to map it out, then, then you don't know how to stand behind what you believe when the rules of engagement are broken in your group. Rookie, and then can I ask a rookie question? I want to ask a rookie question, um, which I'm, I'm guessing others are thinking as well. Where in the world do we put that statement? Does Facebook make it easy for someone who wants to come into the group to have a little tagline or something? Um, yeah. Well, your description is available to everybody, whether they're in the group or not. So the description is uh, on the sidebar and anybody who even wants to get in your group can see it. We now have announcements. We used to have pinned posts, but now we have announcements. You can have multiple of them and then you can pin any one of those announcements at any given time. We have a video uh, from me telling them what to expect in the group and how to engage. And I tell them just as much what to post as I tell them what they can't post. Mm. Um, and then you also get three questions that you can ask them. And, and two of those questions we use to help them understand the rules of engagement within the group. Give us an example. Of the, of the questions? Yeah, or the, yeah, the questions. 
Yeah. So one is, um, oh gosh, you're going to ask me to do this off the top of my head. It doesn't have to um, be perfect, but just the concept, you know what I mean? Like what yeah, conceptually so, so are you asking? The top one is, you know, th- this is a, this is a support, a positive support group where we don't come in to judge people for our parenting or our business decisions. You know, we come to help support each other, make business and parenting decisions. You know, if you understand that that's, you know, that that's the kind of environment here that if you break these rules, we reserve the right to kick you out immediately without question. Um, you know, our, our strongest belief is to support each other. So this is a safe place for you to engage as a boss mom. So it's one, you know, do you understand? Does this make, you know, do you agree? I see. So it's a statement and then it's asking for them to agree with the statement. That's the first question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's really what, what it is. Like we, we've tested out asking people to give us information about themselves, but to be perfectly honest, I get that information when I get them on my email list. Right. You know, I'm not going to add, when we found that we try, we tested it out trying to take out those questions about the rules of engagement, about being supportive in the community and that they can't post their own videos. They can't, we have specific one specific promo day. If we see anything where they're just posting a picture of themselves and a blog post, you know, post about how helpful they are and how this thing they discovered when nobody asked for it, that it will get deleted. You need to understand. And then if you do that a couple of times, we're going to kick you out. And when we took those out, the spam um, in our, and we call it a spamosaurus because we, we talk, have fun <laughs> language. Like, don't be a spamosaurus. Um, then we found that, that, that those posts went up. So, so we do know for a fact that those questions help detour those questions and the welcome video that we ask them to read within those, like, Hey, read, read the pin post and watch the pin video is the very first thing you do in this group. Um, we have found that that does help keep down people that are breaking the rules. And once your once your group gets pretty big, um, you know, I have somebody on my team, on my team, I don't ask the ambassadors to do this. They do it naturally a little bit, but I have somebody on my team that, that lets people in and kicks people out. Once you get to the size that we're at, it, it would be it, it would be a deterrent of engagement to ask the people who are the ambassadors and leader within the group to take on that burden. What's the second question you ask people? Um, so the second one is about not being able to post promo posts unless it's part of a promo thread. They can't post, they can't go live. I'm the only one unless other authorized, otherwise authorized that can go live in the group. Um, and the, and and basically it's a what they can and can't. So it's in a, it's in a, you must, it's in a, a, you know, put in, I agree in the answer or something like that. Right. I mean, it's it's acknowledging that, that they've received that. And then do you use any more questions than that? Do you recommend any more questions than that? Uh, The third one may ask them if they are, want to get free resources. And if so, to give us their email and we get about 50% or so, give or take 5% um, each month that give us Ah, their email address. Okay. Next question. Can you export that list of answers or how do you get that out of there? No, <laughs> from from what we've seen up until this week, so uh, who knows, because Facebook always changes it, but no, I have a VA who she has a, a morning task, and one of her morning tasks is to let people in, kick people out, uh, flag any posts that have uh, that she doesn't know whether they should go or not, so things that are maybe political or religious-based that we don't allow in the group, right. um, and and she goes in and gets pulls those questions into a spreadsheet, and then my tech person imports them into our system, and then we have a welcome email to uh, to those people that tell them specifically why they're getting an email, because they're in the Facebook group, this is what happened, this is what to expect, and then we ask them how they want to engage with us, and they're able to then 
click an option of free resources they can get. So we kind of tag, I mean, I use Entreport, which is a relatively complex system, but so we can do more things with them. But yeah, the, the main thing is, is we want them to understand how to engage in the group first. And then I will get all of the other information about where they are in their business and their challenges later, or just by everybody getting to know each other in the group. Now, the post that you pin and the video that you create, are they the same message or a different message? than what you're asking them when they take the questionnaire? No, it's it's relatively the same. Um, it's, it's a little more in-depth. In my video, I let my personality out. I'm a little quirky. Um, I, you know, use my hands a lot. I uh, like to make, you know, weird relationship uh, <laughs> and dating references um, and analogies. Um, and I, I like to, what I say, call the elephant out of the, you know, out of the rooms or in the room. So, you know, I tell them like, Hey, I see you lurkers. You're coming into this group and you're hanging out and guess what? You're going to get absolutely no value by just reading other people's posts. Like I'm challenging you your first week in this group, go and post something. And so I call out the lurkers and I caught, you know, and I, you have a little fun with it so people can get to know you and feel like they like you. I tell them a little bit about my, myself and how I engage with the group and how they can get to know everybody and some of the stories, you know, of other people in the group. And, and I'd say every, I don't know, six to nine months, I redo the video because my life is different, you Got know, it. and Got I want to be whatever is the new me constantly changing. Uh, but I, I think the big thing is, is people want to get to know you, like the like, just like most people say, like perfection just doesn't sell as well as as authenticity these days. Perfect. I love, absolutely love all these ideas that you're setting in motion. And even someone listening right now who has a Facebook group but has not set the culture in place could adopt this. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I love the idea that that you are making it so clear at every beginning stage that this is who we are. This is how we behave. Now I want to transition into your engagement techniques because I know you got a bazillion of them. So <laughs> you've got a group of active yeah. moms and um, and let's just start going through some of these tactics. And if you want, you can revisit some of the ones you briefly mentioned before. Wherever you want to start, let's dig into each one of these little tactics. Yeah. So So first off, pretty much everybody in the group has a business or wants to start a business, right? And so here's the biggest challenge that people have. How do I engage in this group and help my business, right? That's, I mean, that's the question. And what they're doing is they're watching what everybody else does so that they can see how people engage so they can see what's allowed. That's why the video is great. It, it breaks down that wall so they can start engaging. So one of my favorite things is to get people to have the group help them make decisions. So some, and and I call it just your buzz plan, right? Like how are we creating buzz for what it is you want people to know about you by asking them to help you make decisions about what you're making or you're doing. So some of the easiest examples are you're writing a book, you're starting a podcast, you're launching a program. Well, you put covers of three options of covers of the book and you get people to vote on which one they like best, like huge amounts of comments because everybody has an opinion. You have a podcast cover. What cover do people like? Now, hold on a second. Let me just get clarification. This is you, the host of the group, not every single member or every single member. If you have something that you want people to vote on, then you can, I always tell people voting posts and where you're asking them to help you make a decision is always allowed. You can say, Hey, I'm starting this podcast. It's going to come out in a month. I have to decide what my, 
you know, what my covers look like. Like, hey, I have this uh, opt-in resource that I'm working on and I have no idea, you know, what to make uh, or what to name it or what my theme should be, or I'm working on my brand, what should these, which one of these logos do you like best? Those are all allowed. It's, I mean, and obviously group rules change, but in most groups, they'll allow you to ask questions. You're not, there's no links to your stuff. You know, people can't get to your podcast. They can't go anywhere. But what you're doing is you're creating those seven to 10 touch points from a business standpoint for people to see what you're doing and get familiar with you. And it creates massive engagement because if you say, hey, like when we were doing the very first Boss Mom Retreat and I said, hey, guys, we're trying to figure out like I've got to rent furniture. Um, which style do you like best? And we had pictures of, you know, like 20s and pictures of modern and pictures of classic. And we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people posting about that. And I did that in other groups as well. And we actually made really great sales in for the retreat from posts like that without ever putting a link to where the retreat could be found to buy a ticket. And so not only does it help create engagement, but it also is just a great tactic from a business standpoint. And that's when things really become a think tank, you know, say, Hey, I'm doing market research. Who here has dogs? What, you know, tell me when it comes to dogs, like what's the biggest, you know, challenge you have a, B or C. Right. And so, so it's really easy for people to go, Ooh, I like a, you know, so uh, a couple quick questions on this. Well, first of all, we did this in, in one of the episodes of The Journey, my video documentary, where we said black carpet or blue carpet. And everybody was like making their votes, you know, and I was whispering, black, black, black's the winner, you know. And of course, we ended up picking blue. But it was perhaps the most, it was perhaps the most like engaging video that we'd done because that was just injected in there. Now, I would imagine you as the host of the group could start by leading by example, right? By doing some of these kinds of posts. But how do you encourage others to do those kind of posts? Do they just start modeling after you? Because that might be a little trickier. I'm just curious what you do to get others in your group to start making similar kinds of posts. Well, one of the things we do is uh, we have uh, in my video, I tell people they should do it. So I just give them permission. So like mm. I said, in my welcome video, it's just as important to tell people what they can do as what they can't. Most so you're people giving say, them hey, ideas. That's fascinating. Yeah. Come in here and don't post promos and don't spam us and don't do all these things. And then people are like, well, shoot, now I'm scared. I don't know what I can do. Like mm. break down the fear and say, you know what you can do? What's one burning question you have in your business or in your, you know, in your personal life or your, your mom life? Post the question lead with questions. Like I, everybody in sales lead with questions, like in marketing, lead with questions. And I mean, you don't know what to do in your business. Ask questions. That's just a good. Got it. So you're training the tribe, you're training the tribe. And then when they do it and they start to see how many people are interacting with it, they start, you know, others that don't do it say, maybe I should do it too. I get that. That's awesome. Okay. So first advice is help people have posts that help people make decisions. Um, what's another example of ways to get people to engage inside the group? Um, well, okay. So it, we're helping make decisions. Uh, one of the other fun ones is just celebrating with each other. So, Hey guys, my, I finally potty trained my son, post your favorite gif of the moment when your kid was first potty trained, right? Or, Oh my goodness, we just hit, uh, you know, for, if, if you're hosting the group, we just hit a hundred people. We actually do do a live dance party. Where I go live, we all. I, I first I ask the community, "Hey, we're about to hit a milestone. Put in, uh, Nate, tell me songs that you want me to play, and we're going to vote on a song for us to dance to in the next dance party." So right there, I'm creating engagement, and then 
I go live and I do a celebratory live, you know, of, and now we have to do it by every like 5,000 because we're growing so fast, but we used to do it every hundred. And actually, if you go to the boss mom site, we have our compilation of moms that submitted dancing. So we made a celebratory, we hit a thousand, like two years ago, we hit a thousand Facebook group members. And we did a, I, I paid to have this like dance video made. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So celebrate celebration ones where people, I mean, posting gifts is like an addiction. People can't help it. Right. Um, saying songs that they love. Uh, so anything that's, that's a, how should I celebrate this or celebrate this with me, um, is a, is a great way to get people super pumped about what, like what you're doing, but also people will actually spend more time than they should searching the perfect GIF, you know? <laughs> so wait a minute. You said something really fascinating in this. First, you said, how should I celebrate blank? That's a, cre- mm-hmm. a question, right? And then mm-hmm. actually have the celebration post, right? So, so yeah. you're asking, I'm coming up on let's say, uh, nine years at social media examiner, how should we celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. Get all the ideas, perhaps, take one or two of those ideas and then do another post that says, Hey, we're celebrating nine years and, um, you know, blah, 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 you know, paste your favorite gif or whatever. Right. Um, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we kind of have it as like a multi-step process. Hey, we're doing the retreat. Um, I'm so pumped. We're going to be celebrating the whole time. Tell us your, uh, you know, what do you want on the playlist for the DJ to play while we're there? Mm-hmm. Or, Hey, like we're going to karaoke for this thing. What songs will, would you karaoke? Like, Hey, what? Yeah. So milestones celebrate with me. How should I celebrate if, you know, people aren't going to be there or like that, that idea of celebration and getting people to help you decide how is always a good idea. And it can be, it doesn't even have to be something within the group. If you're saying, Hey, my son's about to turn four, everybody posts their favorite, you know, birthday party, uh, you know, cake. Mm, very and interesting. All, all of those things work. People can't help themselves. They, they want yeah. to tell you what they like. Or we're looking to have a theme for a business party or something like that. And we need some creative mm-hmm. ideas of how to take a space that's just got concrete walls and make it something more exciting. Right. I would imagine. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so how often should we, I mean, I would imagine we could potentially over-celebrate because we could come up with something to celebrate every week if we wanted to, but is there ever any limit to this or do you want to just do, use this sparingly? You know, I, it, I think it really depends and it depends on your group. If you have a group of like positive, action-hungry people, then you could be celebrating all the time. I and mean, we, for, I, I will tell you, so we did a boss mom of the week for the first entire year of boss mom. Mm. Every week we would celebrate somebody. We would pick them out and we'd write a post about them. They would, you know, submit answers to questions. We'd write a post about them and then we would celebrate them in the Facebook group. Um, you know, so you can, and so that was a weekly celebration of a individual person. Uh, and, and I, you know, we don't do that anymore because we just, we've gotten, so big that the requests for celebrating became really hard to pick everybody. Mm -hmm. And we have the podcast and all those things, but, um, you know, so we would do a weekly celebration. Then we were doing every hundred and that, you know, so we, you don't want to do it every day. You don't want to make it so that people stop. Uh, it's just like jargon, right? Jargon is the words that we use so often that we all think we know what it means, but we all actually believe it to mean something different. So it loses its, its oomph for us. And it's, you know, it's actual usefulness, it's the same thing. You don't really want to like everything in moderation, right. but I would say you could technically celebrate something. If, if you're in a group as big as mine, you know, where we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of posts every single day, uh, things, it's like Twitter. Things get lost within 
Got it. a very short period of time. And so we could celebrate something every single week and, and nobody would think it's overdone. Okay. So, so far we've talked about put posts up that help people make decisions mm-hmm. and we've talked about celebration posts. What are some other things that we can do to get people engaged inside of our Facebook group? Yeah. So we talked about uh, a movement, right? And, and we can ask questions about our principles, things that we care about. And so this is where it's really important. If you have not set the rules of what your culture is, then be very wary of this kind of post. Because if you have, you know, you know, for instance, in the Boss Moms group, we don't allow political or religious posts. And that's simply because they're too controversial. They're too controversial. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter what what religion or political belief you have. If you're a boss mom, right. you can talk about business and you can talk about parenting. And the other things are for other groups. And there are other amazing groups. In fact, we've done posts where we ask people who have political or religious um, groups, please post them here. Hey, if you've got a, you know groups that are for pet owners, put them here. Hey, if you've got groups for pregnant women, put them here. So we actually help promote outside posts of current or outside groups of current members where people can have an outlet for that particular kind of topic. So if you aren't really clear, and that's a really good way, by the way, to keep everybody happy because we've had, I've absolutely had people that have come and said really mean things to me and call me really bad names because I don't let people talk about those things in the group. So what, what are examples of principles then that are, that you're posting inside your group so people understand that? Yeah. So the principle, for instance, like I should be able to work at home and send my kids to school and not have to feel guilty about it. So you just, you just, you just post that statement and that's it? No, gosh, no. I mean, yeah, I could probably post that statement and put a hilarious gif and everybody would celebrate with me and be like, yeah, I'm in the right place, you know, but, uh, no, what, what I would generally say is, Hey, so I have this really strong belief, right? And it can be something fun. It can be like, I have this really strong belief that I, I'm a woman and a mom and an entrepreneur, and I should be able to wear a collared shirt on top with yoga pants and a pair of heels so Mm. I could be all three at once. Like, who is with me? I see. I like that. I like that. And then under that, I would say, what are you? Post a picture of what you're wearing today. Ah, fascinating. Okay. I like that. So So, so you're making a declarative statement that you know your tribe will relate to. Yes. Or, or that will get them talking, right? Yes. Yeah, so you can also say, I have a four-year-old, and for the love of all the Tolly, I cannot potty train him. He's wet the bed every single night for the last month. Yeah. Does anybody else here have a four-year-old that wears pull-ups, and they are just not feeling guilty about it? <laughs> and you'll get all of these women that'll be like, yes, yes, my son's seven. Like, it's okay. You're with good people. So it's, it's the things that are uh, – it's not just about – what you care about. I mean, I, I actually just listened to like an NPR interview about authenticity and they were saying authenticity is most received and declared as authenticity when people believe that you're saying something that they believe is true, but they don't believe they can say out loud. So I am giving voice to what other people are thinking. And so that's what we give people permission to do. Say, hey, tell us what you're thinking, what you believe in, what you care about within the mom and the entrepreneur space, and then let's all band together and make you feel not so alone. I mean, my whole second book, Confessions of a Boss Mom, it, the tagline is like, you know, you're not alone, um, which is stories of women in all different situations to show you that whatever you think is you're going through right now, that you're the only one in the universe going through it. You're not. Other people are going through it. So you don't have to feel so crazy. You can feel connected. And, and that's what those statements do. It helps people feel connected. And then people go, oh, I found this group and it is full of my people and I am loyal to those people. 
Um, I know we're running out of time, but is there any other uh, engagement techniques that we have not mentioned that you would want to mention? Yeah, the one almost maybe the most important one is is actually not about what you post. It's about how to reinvigorate your posts. So like I was saying, especially if you're in groups that are big, like Boss Moms, things are going to fall back quickly. They're going to they're gonna not be able to see them because there's so many posts happening. So it's your job to reinvigorate posts. So what I tell people is when you write a post, as soon as people start engaging, you know, most people go in and they like, 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 comment, 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 comment. And I said, no, you have to be slow and slow and easy. Like don't put out so much when it comes to your, your responses. And what you want to do is like one, let it sit for a while, like one, let it sit for a while, because every time you do that, it pops the post back up to the top of the group and new people see it. So wait a minute, I'm a little confused. So who are you talking about? The host of the group should go in and like it, it every once no, in a while? No, the person who posted it. So if I'm in anybody else's group, it doesn't matter whose group I'm in, and I write a post and I say, hey, ladies, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, do you like Jay-Z or JT? Because I'm trying to figure out my song for walking down the aisle at, you know, for, for the retreat. And people start posting. I need to not go in and respond to everybody's posts at once. I respond to one or two at a time so that in case people aren't engaging, I can go in and comment or like things that people have commented on and it actually pushes the post back up. So whether I'm the one responding to somebody or liking it or someone else is commenting, it still pushes it back up. So you can keep one post alive for a good week or more. And once it's been up on the top for long enough, they call it a trending post and it starts to just trend up on top and show it to more people. And then the Facebook algorithm works where the more people that are commenting on it, the more people that it shows in their feed. So Mm. now you can really get momentum on things. And then if you have a post and you write it and nobody comments, please edit it. People, what they do is they write it and then they, if nobody comments and they're like, oh, well, that's dead. Now I'll try another one. No, it's like a course or anything else you would make. It's reiterations and the tweaking that makes things successful. Would you delete go it in. and repost it or would you just edit no, it? No, 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 no. I just, I just re-edit and then I will go ask a friend to comment on it, to push it back to the top and see if that reiteration works. And you'd be amazed at how many times I have, uh, you know, two or three times edited my post and the third time's a charm or tons of my clients will voxer me and say, Dan, this post didn't work I would look at it and I go oh well that's because you phrased it this way that was a terrible idea phrase it this way and they change the phrasing and all of a sudden it starts it starts to engage so don't Hmm. let your post die without a little bit of effort I love this because um, this is an acknowledgement that there is an algorithm at play here and that um, engagement matters and that if there is a really good post and it's been a little while since there's been any engagement on it that you can do small little things to kind of make sure it gets legs. And I think that's really cool. And that's within a group or not. Do we have time? I have one other tiny yeah, go thing. For it. It's like killer. Okay. So if you have something that you're putting out, whether it's in your group, and I actually believe you can promote in your group. I do flash sales in my group. I do, you know, sales in my group. We, we're doing a Labor Day sale. I I sell things in my group and it works just fine for me. So I know that doesn't work for some people, but I think mine has enough activity that it doesn't feel overbearing. But whether you're in a group or a Facebook page or wherever, if you're going to launch something for the six weeks before you're going to launch, you want to prime the pump. And what that means is the Facebook algorithm will tell more people about you 
the more engaged they think you are. If they think you're popular, then they're going to make you more popular. It's how, it's how the algorithm works, right? So what people do is they waste that priming of the pump on important things, like really important blog posts that they really want people to read that's going to help them you know, get past limiting beliefs and buy their stuff, or they're just going to tell them to go to the opt-in and then nobody sees it and nobody opts in. Instead, ask questions that have nothing to do with what it is that you're creating, but that you know people can't help but comment on. So the celebration posts, the, hey, I was in the supermarket and the person in front of me whipped out 40 coupons. Everybody post a gift for how you would feel if that was happening to you right now. Here is mine. And then people post and post and post. So what happens is for six weeks, at least once a week, you're doing six different posts that people, like cats or dogs, you know, they cannot help but post and like and engage and it primes the pump. So at the week six, when you start actually posting about your opt-in or your program or the sale or whatever it is you have, Facebook already thinks you're popular and they show you to more people, whether it's in your group or whether it's on your page and more people will see it organically because you've primed the pump. Fascinating. Well, Dana, I know you and I could keep talking for a very, very long time. Um, however, um, I also know that there's a place where they can discover more about you. So why don't you tell everybody if they're interested in, in following you and all the great things you've got going on, where would they, where do you want to send them? Yeah. The easiest place is just boss-mom.com. That'll take you to our Facebook group. It'll take you to the podcast. It'll take you to our free resources, um, to all of the other things that you can possibly pay me for. Um, all of that fun stuff happens on, on our site. And I actually just did a completely new, uh, photo shoot where we're, we're really pulling playfulness into the brand because I'm a big believer in playfulness. And, uh, and so we're going to be putting up all new pictures. So you want to hang out now so you can see the new revamp. Dana Mallstaff, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast episode. If there's anything you heard, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 323. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. And I'm your fast-talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.